Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. So, all right, guys, welcome in. It is 6.02 Mountain Time, 5.02 where I'm at, 7.02 where you're at, Carl. I guess you're getting central time at Broncos country, you know. We are, we're everywhere, baby. We're all about it. Um, the sun is out, and the Broncos, man, they've been, I had a talk with George Payton today. No, I didn't, but I'm like, hey, George, <laughs> why don't you save the moves for, like, Tuesday? So that way Carl and I can just soak up all the, the big breaking news. And uh, so far, three Tuesdays in a row, we've had some pretty big moves made. I guess the DJ Jones one was late on Monday, so it couldn't be talked about in the monday show but yeah no welcome in guys it is building the broncos i am nick kendall and joined by carl dumbler as always uh we are live every tuesday at six o'clock mountain time for an hour-long show a part of mile high huddle make sure you're following us on twitter carl is at carl dumbler mhh and i'm at nick kendall mhh also make sure you're following us at huddle up pod as well as at mile high huddle if you guys are on facebook make sure you join us at facebook at facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod uh, please like subscribe and share whether this be on Facebook or YouTube or anywhere. We got the, the eyeballs coming in, but not as many likes yet. So please do us a big favor. It takes one second. Click the like button up there, Facebook, YouTube, and uh, like subscribe, share uh, wherever you're going and uh, let us know where you're watching from. Let us know what's going on. Let us know what you think about the breaking news. Uh, Broncos, I would say filling their last major hole uh, on the roster today, uh, signing 31 year old slot cornerback, Kawan Williams, uh, Carl, what are your thoughts off the off the bat? I, I'm excited. I honestly, I know everybody was wanting Collins for the right tackle and just thinking, "Hey, that is our biggest need. We got to get that right tackle." Compton is serviceable. You know, I, I think he can be a decent starter. There's still mm-hmm. connections now to Shell, that was the right tackle for Seattle. And I know people are going to say, "Oh, that Seattle offensive line sucked. Why would we get one of them?" He was actually pretty decent. Can't stay healthy, but he was decent. The, the nickel position, you're right. That was probably one of the biggest question marks on this team until today. And yeah. getting a guy like Williams, who I think is actually a, a pretty good player, he's on the wrong side of 30. That makes you a little bit nervous. And he's not going to be a guy that is going to speed down the field with Tyreek Hill. He doesn't have the, the afterburners to do that. But in space, making his early cuts, being able to handle that position, he's a fine player. And, you know, Broncos got him for pretty cheap, gives them still room that they can make other moves. And and I really do feel like they've filled out this defense with competent players at every single position, possibly great players at a few of the positions. And if you can do that, you can have a great defense. Yeah, absolutely. Some depth still needed here, but uh, you still got the draft, post-draft free agency, camp cuts, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, Broncos right now, that they could take the field tomorrow, um, obviously tongue-in-cheek there they have to install a whole new offensive defense but right. uh personnel wise um what they have right now i am comfortable with now there are some spots where i could you could do some upgrades and competition but uh i feel okay it's this is a pretty rounding out to be a pretty solid roster right now uh hat tip to george payton like you said the last one that was a dire need was that slot cornerback because teams live in nickel um i swear to god i'm every time that they uh uh, every time before the primetime games when they announce like the base defense personnel and they list like three defensive linemen or three off ball linebackers, my eyes roll in my head. One of these days are going to get stuck. Like they need to be listing these guys in a nickel package because that's starting in today's NFL. But uh, I digress. Right. Uh, Luke Wright, what's up, Broncos country? Good to see you. Like Dylan said, make sure you guys hit the like on the way in. Willem Catalano in here got a new corner. Anyone know if he's any good? We'll get into that in a second. We want to say hello to some people here real quick. Um, Jetty Splash saying, I really don't want to go through another draft in free agency wondering why we are not picking up a right tackle and with some depth behind that position and then watch it never happen again. They picked up Tom Compton and Calvin Anderson. So there's your depth. Um, but I agree. That's, that is the biggest. Now that is the most immediate pressing need for this team. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit further right. on the show. Um, but Tom Compton and Calvin Anderson, at least something Paul's in the house, hit the like button. Good to see you. Luke's in the house. Uh, Kathy, good to see you, Kathy. I think if I remember seeing correctly, you just had a little bout, uh, 
with some health. So hopefully you're doing pretty well. Um, but uh, yeah, a little bit. I think you had a quick little hospital stay. I don't know if that's something you want me to share on here, but hope you're feeling better. I was thinking about you and I wonder if we'd see you today and hoping you're feeling better. Um, Granville coming in. Peyton got the D got one DB today. Do you think uh, who would be the choice because he wants it to? Um, who would be the second choice because he wants to? So who would be the next cornerback? Do you th- Okay. Do you think that uh, the Broncos have interest still in bringing in a Bryce Callahan back with this move? Is that, is the door still open for Bryce Callahan? Oh, I, I think very much so. Uh, yeah. You know, Callahan has shown he can play inside and outside. You know, I think he's better on the inside, but he was able to play outside when the Broncos needed him to. And then throw in Williams didn't stay healthy all of last year. Callahan can't stay healthy all of the year. And you want to have depth across that board. Darby has struggled with staying healthy. Yeah. You still don't know what Ojemudi is. And so, yeah, you, I wouldn't mind Callahan one bit. I think he fills out that secondary very well. And I'd still love for them in the draft. Go get yourself another safety. Add to that depth. You know, it, it just, you have to expect that there's going to be injuries. Yeah. It's just the, the way it's going to be. And uh, if you don't prepare for that, if you only have your your 22 starters and say, we're good, well, uh, good luck. (laughs) That's just not how the NFL works, especially now that they've added an extra game on the season. So the the more the merrier, I say. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That is a good one. Sorry, taking care of a little bit of uh, stuff here. Somebody saying, hey, handsome, text me. I thought that was for you, Carl. The beard game is strong, but I want to take care of that one. Brandon Miller coming in. What's up, my boys? Broncos for life. Great pickups this offseason. Man, I love it. So, uh, or man, love it when, you know, whatever yeah. your discretion is there. Uh, Travis, Tar- just teasing you, Brandon, um, Travis Tarbucks evening fellows, truly sorry. I missed the show this morning. Work seems to be ramping up instead of slowing down job security, I guess. Hey man, that's uh that's life sometimes. Uh, so we're happy to have you here. Oh, that's the wrong one. We got Biggie Bronco coming in. Good evening, everybody. How's it going? It's going pretty well. Uh, Albert Knopper's in the house evening guys. Awesome to see, uh, Mike S in the house. Clee's in the house. So yeah, let's get right into it. Yeah. Randy Jones saying great work. Thanks guys. Um, so awesome. Randy John, Randy Jones with the $5 of stars. Thank you so much, Randy. We appreciate you. That's awesome to see. Um, so let's get on into it. Kwan Williams. So he solidifies the position, but what is he bringing to the defense, Carl? What are his off the cuff strengths and strengths and weaknesses? Now I know you have a lot going on, so you probably didn't watch all of his reps from the 49ers last year, but have you picked up any information as far as uh, what you are thinking uh, of him and his fit in this defense? Well, one thing I, I like he is a, a solid run defender. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in this kind of defense where you need everybody to be able to do their job and you see teams trying to spread people out and be able to get their running backs on the edges, having a nickel guy that can tackle, that is a huge bonus mm-hmm. to have. And, and so he brings that to this defense. Uh, he's experienced. He's seen everything. And he's, he's held up well. And he's got playoff experience on top of that. And, and again, held up well for them these last three games that they played. Uh, and so uh, I think he's just, he's one of those great veterans like Callahan as well. Same kind of thing with him. Uh, they're, they're not the burner type. They're not, like I said, they're not winning over the top. They're not big. He's I think five, nine, one eighty-five. So, I mean, he, he's going to struggle against some of the bigger guys if, if you get matched up in that way. Um, but for the most part, like I said, he can handle the slot. He's good at going two ways. And, and like I said, can do well staying forward. If you ask him again to, to be man to man the entire game, you're asking for trouble, but asking him to play that zone man look that we saw with Fangio. And I think what we're going to see with Evero, I think you're going to be fine with him right there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm really excited about him. And you hit it pretty darn well. Um, the Broncos picked up uh, Kwan Williams, cornerback from San Francisco 49ers. He's made a living in the slot for that defense and played uh, two different defenses over there the last couple seasons. And he's been a mainstay there. He has had some injuries in his career. I believe he had bone spurs in 2016 that caused him to miss some time. There was a little bit of ugliness there with the Browns and him, I think, involving the, those uh, the injuries that he had. Browns getting a lot of ugliness going on. Um, but uh, he's been healthier than the other cornerback options, Bryce Young, Chris Harris Jr., Tavon, uh, excuse me, Bryce Callahan, Tavon Young, Chris Harris Jr., the other options at that slot position. So really uh, excited to see him here. The Broncos did not get him on a, a steal. Uh, two years, $7 million for a slot cornerback. That's pretty good money for a slot, um, especially one that's 31 years old. But again, the biggest thing I like about him is he is a plus tackler. He's also a plus player as a, a blitzer. 
Um, he's actually really good at coming downhill. Um, if you have issues with teams playing the RPO game or teams running jet sweeps and you're worried about that nickel slot guy being, you know, just kind of a, oh gosh, who was the cornerback the Broncos had a few years ago? They called him Sticky Man. I can't remember who it was. He's good cover guy, but could not tackle to save his life. Um, somebody in the chat can probably get it. They called him, his nickname was Sticky Man. He was good in coverage, but he just, no physicality tackling. You're not going to have that with Kawan, uh, Kawan Williams. He's a great tackler. So I'm really excited to see what he can do uh, in this defense. And like I said, this really, to me, solidifies the starting 22. 20, yeah, the start, starting 22. Right tackle, maybe you bring in a Riley Reeve for a Brandon Shell and further establish that position. But other than that, I don't really, uh, I don't really hate it. Yeah, I think this I, is good. I think that the really nice thing you and I talked about this free agency is about filling in those holes that make it when you get to the draft, you don't have to, um, you don't have to reach for somebody. You don't have to reach for a position. And Tony Carter, is that who you were thinking? Tony Carter. It was, yep. It was Tony Carter. Thank you, Chad. Um, I think Matthew Beattie is the one that, that put that name out there. Uh, He, I think it was the Chargers game. Was he the one that made some big plays when we were down 24 to 7? I think so. Peyton Manning, 2012. And that's when the Broncos started their big streak. I think he was a big part of that. Uh, So anyway, um, but you're right. That's the nice thing about going into the draft now. You don't have to reach for a position. You can take off-ball linebacker, feel good about it at 64. You can take an edge player, feel good about it. You can take an interior defense lineman. You can take a safety in all those positions. You can say, hey, let's add to the depth. Let's add for the future, all of that. But you you don't have to feel like that guy has to start day one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sinji coming in here with it. And uh, sorry to Scott, because I did not mean to click that uh, for you. But we also had Travis Tarbucks coming in saying, uh, saw the clip of Russell working with receivers already outstanding to see. Yeah, uh, we had... Oh, here's the clip. Awesome. Russell Wilson, man, he looks good in that uniform. It'd be even better with an old school D helmet, but uh, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe that's for next year with the new contract and new look coming in. Um, love pretty. the, did you see the three on the field too, man? We're, this is Russell Wilson's own field. There's a big old three, but there's Cortland Sutton was there. Tim Patrick was there. I think Albert Okwebenam was there too. Can't don't quote me on that one. Um, and I know that KJ Hamler was there too. He's just kind of participating, but not physically participating, catching a few balls, but not really running. So um, I am, excited about that and i am a little bit i guess where's jerry judy uh he said that he was excited to see it maybe that's something to keep an eye on um going forward but uh either way awesome to see russell wilson out there thank you for the stars travis we appreciate it yeah instead of where's waldo where's jerry we're gonna start yeah. a jerry watch yeah and uh you know I, I i worry about him a little bit you and i were talking about this before the show of uh, just his mental makeup you know he, he's on social media a lot gets after people. I think he does search his name quite often on social media. That's not always a good thing to see that yeah. in a player. And, and now missing this session uh, and it's early in the off season. Mm-hmm. Don't read into it too much yet. But if, if we start seeing more videos of these guys working together and Jerry's not there, you got to start thinking that he's the receiver on the outside looking in, you know, the Broncos might have this log jam of receivers. And if they're looking to add more draft capital, for 2023, I know we're getting way into the future here, yeah. but Jerry might be the guy that they're going, Hey, you haven't been the team guy. Uh, so I, like I said, I, we're way too early to be yeah. making any kind of big assumptions here. Yeah, I'm, I'm not that worried about it at all. I'm, I'm more concerned about the fit with uh, Russell Wilson and where he wins over the middle of the field. And Russell Wilson typically hasn't utilized the middle of the field. And people say the height of the quarterback doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you are one of the most effective outside deep throws of the football we've seen in the last 20 years, which Russell Wilson is. Uh, So it will be interesting to see how it all fits together. I'm not worried yet, but uh, there's a lot of mouths to feed and it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, I'm really pulling for Jerry uh, and all these guys. It'll be great to see what they can do. Uh, Robert Caslow come in into the Broncos get a tackle today. Someone in the chat said, yes, Uh, to my understanding is they met with Brandon shell um, and they are Peyton and the front office folks are now, discussing uh brandon shaw but he left without a deal is what i think happened he, so, he did pass his physical though yes that was okay. big yep yeah absolutely so we'll see um he's still relatively young uh he's been a solid pass protector run blocker there when he's been healthy injuries have been an issue there i thought his pass protection was solid there last season um it was not the issue on that seattle offensive line so uh, if they can bring him in for a one-year deal or a two-year deal and uh, push Tom Compton down or compete with Tom Compton for that yeah. right tackle spot or have Tom Compton competing for one of the guard spots, 
uh, you need seven, eight offensive linemen um, in today's NFL that you feel comfortable with. So uh, I'm excited about uh, the potential of uh, Brandon Shell. I do think that personally I'd be looking for Riley Reef uh, if he does pass physical. Maybe that's my Iowa bias showing out there, but he is a good right tackle in the outside zone scheme with healthy. But it uh, it makes sense if Brandon Shell comes in. And then you have four tackles that you feel comfortable with. And guess what? If you don't like one there at pick 64 or whatever, you don't have to reach. Yeah. And I know a lot of people are really frustrated about not getting Collins and because they feel like, oh, look at these pass rushers coming to the AFC West. Understand Broncos probably actually have the best right tackle situation in the AFC West right now. I mean, that's not saying much. No, that's not saying much. <laughs> but, but I mean, the Chiefs, Raiders, and Chargers, all of them have terrible right tackle situations right now. So yeah. all all the fans of the AFC West are, are really struggling with this idea of who's going to be their right tackle. And Tom Compton, probably the best starter of the group so far. If he's worse than any of them, it's not by much. Um, maybe you could see Trey Pipkins take a step forward with the Chargers this year. He wasn't great there, but he's probably better than... Uh, Oh gosh, who's the other one they have there? Brandon Parker, really bad at the Raiders, not good. Lucas Niang, he'll be in his third year, but second year playing. So maybe he takes a step forward with the Chiefs. But you're right, it's a division of bad right tackles and a lot of good edge rushers. So at least the Broncos aren't uh, on an island with the issues at right tackle. And uh, I said this on, I think it was Saturday show or maybe Monday morning show. People are worried about the pass rushers in this division. I'm worried about the pass rushers too. I'd like yeah. a really good right tackle. No doubt about it. Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, Cleo Mack, Joey Bosa, Frank Clark. That's a lot of great edge rushers. You know what else has me worried? Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr, uh, Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, uh, Gerald Everett, uh, Mike Williams, Juju Smith-Schuster, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, uh, Hunter Renfro, uh, Devontae Adams. I mean, blah. So at right tackle, yes, I'm with you guys more defensive backs, more pass rushers. Like if I can get better in any of those spots anyway, or add depth that can make my team better there. Yes. I, I don't care how it comes. You know, one, if I land two, if I see, yes, give me, give me more pass rushers, coverage guys and defense, uh, offensive tackles. Yeah. And Travis, you are right. The AFC is going to be brutal this year. Yeah. You know, you kind of were hoping Watson would go to the NFC, but he stays here. I mean, not, I, I don't think he should be in the NFL right now or he should be suspended until everything gets figured out with all of his legal stuff beyond, I mean, even the, the civil stuff, but, but he's still a good quarterback yep. and he stayed in the division. Of course, then we got Matt Ryan coming to the AFC. And so you, you look at the, the top 10 quarterbacks, you could make an argument pretty quick that maybe seven or eight of the top 10 are in the AFC. So you're right. There's going to be some good teams in the AFC that missed the playoffs. Oh, some really good teams that missed the playoffs, mm -hmm. man. I was ranking them, uh, the AFC teams. One of my friends was asking me, and uh, I think there's an argument that the Steelers and the Patriots are outside the top 10 uh, this year, which is crazy, which is bonkers to say because of those coaches that they have and the defensive infrastructure and just the pedigree and years of success. But when you start listing them, it's like somebody's going to lose. You know, not everybody can be great. I mean, the Titans had made some good moves this year. You know, they've made some bargains. Austin Hooper's there now, Robert Woods. Um, but that's a team that feels like they're due for some regression. But they were the number one seed last year. Yeah. Uh, Chargers and Bengals have gotten significantly better. Uh, the Browns, I mean, put an asterisk next to them, but who knows? Uh, the Ravens had the worst injury luck of any team in football last year. They're not going to be worse than they were last year. They're not. Um, so, yeah, it's the AFC. And then, yeah, Matt Ryan <laughs> over to the Colts. I mean, what a perfect fit that is for the Colts. Paying a third-round pick and getting what is it, two, two or two threes and a two for Carson Wentz. Congratulations, Washington football team, the commies. You played yourself. God, <laughs> if I would, I would be so mad if I was a Washington fan, just trash ownership, bad, just all around, you know, find a different team. Come here, come to Denver guys. It's much better. Get out of the swamp. It's, it's great. Right. And Matt Ryan landing with a team with a good offensive line. Yeah. That, that helps big time with him and what he can bring to the table. So yeah, it, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. I, I was going over the chief schedule somebody the other day because they got that first place schedule. You know, their, their game against the NFC, that 17th game, Rams. Then, of course, they got the Titans. They got the, the Bills. Uh, they got the Bengals as their extra, you know, their first place schedule. So it, it's, it is. They're going to have a tough time. Broncos are going to have a tough time. If any team gets to 11 wins, I, I feel like they're going to be a pretty impressive team in the AFC. Yeah. But we've got Dennis Woods coming in here with the Super Chat saying, can Shell and any of these other tackles flip over to the left side if Bowles goes down? 
I think that Calvin Anderson's your backup left tackle. He's the one that I'm most comfortable with at that spot. I think Cal- Calvin Anderson would tell you he could play either spot, but his tape suggests that left tackle is his best position as well. He struggles a little bit at right tackle compared to his technique at the left tackle spot. So um, he's your answer there at left tackle, unless the Broncos draft somebody that they feel some comfort with at that spot. But uh, I think that is the the backup left tackle right now. Um, Shell is more of a right tackle slash guard mold and Compton, I think is as good at left guard and right guard as he is at right tackle. Um, maybe yeah. even better. Cause you don't have, he's not going to be as exposed as much to as freaky of athletes at the edge spot compared to the interior defensive line. Most right. of the time shell has started at right tackle the last five years. So I, I think he might struggle a little bit to make that switch. I mean, not saying he can't do it and I'm not saying they won't try to at least see what he can do. I think all those guys competing for the right tackle spot are also going to have to show that they can be the swing tackle. If you don't win the, the right tackle spot, you got to show you can play both other spots if you're going to get a roster spot. So uh, Calvin Anderson, like I said, I think he's probably got the best chance to be that swing tackle. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe they do keep four tackles this year just because injuries last year showed it. And like I said, Shell can move into guard if you need him to. So he does have more versatility that way. You know, Compton might be the guy that actually has the most trouble because he is more one position oriented right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. But uh, talking about this offensive line, um, thank you so much for the comment, Dennis Woods. Yeah, the Broncos could probably bring in uh, Brandon Shell and be pretty comfortable there. Um, Then you really add some depth to it. But this becomes a situation where there are more bodies than there are spots available, which is a good problem to have, but somebody's going to be on the outside looking in. It could even be a starter from last year. It could be somebody that a lot of people thought was an ascending player. So uh, right now, Carl, uh, you know, to put you, put your nose to the grindstone on this one. What is uh, the starting five next year on the offensive line? Okay. You got bowls at left tackle. I think that's locked in left guard. I guess I'll go Reisner there center. I'm going to go Glasgow right guard minors. Right tackle, I'll go Shell. I think he's going to get signed, and I think he's going to be the starter. What, what okay. would be your five? We got Tabitha coming in here oh, first with you. the stars. Thank you. Shout out to the Mile High Huddle ladies. Awesome to see you, Tabitha. Hope you're doing well, and uh, thanks for the support. That means a lot. Um, we really appreciate it. I think I would go with the same five, but I do think there is a possibility out there where, let's say you have the veteran quarterback now. Maybe you are okay bringing somebody who's a little bit more raw with the coverage and everything there with the the center position, maybe Quinn Miners. Um, I know that there was some talk about him cross-training, right guard, left guard, took snaps at the senior bowl at center, um, and you think your best five out there is actually Miners at center, getting you a little bit more pop and movement skill than Glasgow, and then Compton at right guard uh, with Shell at right tackle. So uh, I, t- I don't know. Um, that's It's tough. It's I, get, I think it's a good problem to have. I wish we had a sure fired right tackle um right now like if god if i could just you know snap my fingers and tristan Wirfs there at right tackle i'd be over the moon and so would everybody else uh but that's the only spot where there's still some movement that could happen we'll see but i feel pretty good about it so i guess the next question is you listed some guys on this team who are not here uh or not guys who are here but some guys who are big absences in your list who, who's on the outside looking in are some of these guys not going to make the team uh or do you think that it's you're going to keep that much depth in backups. I think Lloyd Cushenberry is going to have a tough time making this roster. One, he is very center dependent. If he doesn't win the center position, I have a tough time seeing them keep him as a backup. Because like I said, you want guys as your backups that can play multiple positions. You can't just have one guy for one position. And and so I think he could have a, a tough time, especially with the switch to the zone wide zone scheme. I don't know if he has the ability to do that. He didn't have to do much of it in college. He hasn't had to do much of it with the the Broncos and just some of his movement skills. I I really question what, what he brings to the table. So I think really this move to Nathaniel Hackett could be detrimental to him. I, I still think he's an NFL player. I think he'll catch on with some other team. I'm just not sure it's with the Broncos. Yeah, definitely. And that's, he's still two years of rookie control exceedingly cheap two years of starting experience and been a bottom eight center mostly for the last two years ish uh there's some value there i think that the broncos if the way we're talking right now they also brought in uh ben bradison don't forget about him who i think that's the name off the top i had michigan center i remember scouting him um and then also natane moody who's another one that's interesting as far as the scheme fit we'll see with him but cushionberry is one i think is definitely you, you talked you talked about it 
making the roster right now, the versatility, the scheme fit. If you're going to be a backup, you need to be able to play. If you're, and you're a pure interior guy, you need to be able to play both guard spots as well. And I don't know if he projects that way. Um, so he's somebody that I think is maybe you could get back a 2023 six round pick or something. Cause you saw the Broncos add some guys like a Steven Weatherly, um, a Kenny young for cheap late picks this last year, just to kind of help fill in the roster some to get you some competency at some positions where you needed competency. Uh, and that's one that makes sense with me uh, for Cushionberry. I could see him getting somewhere for a 2023 six round pick um, either after the draft or even before the draft. Right. And I saw some people asking who would all play center. You already mentioned Miners has cross trained. Glasgow has played both positions here in the NFL. I think there's a good chance they're going to bring in somebody from the draft with a late round pick. That's going to be an interior guy. You got the guy that came from green Bay that can play all the interior spots. So They've they've got app options outside of Cushionberry. Yep. And and, and like Zebulon, I said, it just oh go ahead. Yeah, Zebulon saying bottom eight, there's value. There's value because he's two years on a rookie contract and he has starting experience. So it's not like he's going to you're not gonna ask for a lot for him. Like if he was a top eight center, A wouldn't be training him, but you'd be getting probably a round two pick for him, uh, so to speak. But somebody will probably take on him for um how young he is, how cheap he is, and somebody with a power scheme looking for somebody to solidify the center position, it would make sense for them. Exactly. All right. Uh, we got some other questions coming in here. Let's oh, Sorry. I, I did a little click in there. Chris coming in here saying, are we sure we aren't letting Peyton off the hook after the Wilson pickup? A lot of these signings aren't all that great, honestly. Here's the deal. You're not going to get all the top free agents on the market. It's just not the way it works. The 2014 off season where the Broncos got where to Sanders ward. That is, that's very rare that you go out there and spin like that. And it's very rare that it actually works. If you go spin like that, mm-hmm. that's the other thing, the Broncos getting those guys to become pro bowl players. It just, it doesn't happen. And, uh, you know, I think that was one of the highest rated free agent classes of all time. I think they've never had three players that went to a new team and became pro bowlers year one ever. That was the first time ever. So uh, again, it just shows a lot of times you're trying to do these bargain bin shopping. When you come to the free agency, you're trying to find the second tier guys that can come in and fill out your roster. Mm -hmm. And George Payton has talked about it where he likes to build the roster from the bottom up. Last year, the Broncos were terrible on special teams some of these guys raise the level of what your special teams are. And then on top of that, they add some depth, add some experience. And a lot of these guys come from systems that the Broncos have used or are are going to use this year. So again, that, that helps with the, the transition. If you look at these trades and where they've played, who they played under, they make a lot of sense. Now they don't move the needle a whole lot for the Broncos, but they at least fill out the roster to make it look better going into the season. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what, I guess my question to Chris is then what kind of moves are you expecting? Um, The Randy Gregory one, considering the contract he got compared to Chandler Jones and Von Miller, I'll take Randy Gregory. I mean, easy to say in hindsight, but uh, Von Miller got a crazy deal. Absolutely insane. Um, So did Chandler Jones. So Gregory is what, four years younger still? I know there's questions there, but you have a lot of flexibility with this contract as well, where if he doesn't work out, you're going to be okay. It's a two-year contract in, in essence. Um, after that, DJ Jones, you really needed to solidify the the interior. He's still young. I think he's only 26 years old. He's pretty versatile as well. And last year, Broncos were 30th out of 32 teams in run stuff rate in the NFL. Uh, and they were really poor in EPA per play. Um, so uh, for, for run defense. So um, that is, he's going to help you a lot there. You definitely didn't get a bargain in DJ Jones, but he should help you a lot. And that was really a big need after you lost uh, Shelby Harris. So again, not a lot of these moves have been crazy moves. I don't know. Maybe missing out on Leo Collins was a, uh, an issue, but I'm also considering um, trading for Russell Wilson to be one of these free agent moves. And I'm considering getting ahead of the curve and paying Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick prior to the off season being part of the free agency as well. Cause I mean, when guys are getting contracts like the wide receivers were in the last two off seasons, I have, I mean, you, you got Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton on huge steals. So that's all part of the equation for me as well. When I think about it. Right. And and look at the, the flexibility those contracts brought from Sutton and Tim yeah. Patrick, where now they've already redone them so they could open up more space to get other players. So uh, the, the Broncos, I think, have played this offseason really well. Mm-hmm. You know, again, once free agency hit, a lot of these these moves haven't really moved the needle a ton. 
but they've at least helped fill out the roster. So you feel better going into the draft that you don't have any holes that you absolutely have to fill early on. And, and you feel good about each of these players and how they can fit within the system. All yep. those things are big, but we got Travis Tarbucks coming in saying, what do you guys know about Josh Johnson? Watch his press conference. Just haven't watched any of his film yet. Good backup understands his role. Yeah. That, that's the main thing with your, your backup quarterback. Uh, you either want, if you are looking for a young guy that can maybe start down the road, or you want a guy that can be a true backup, understand that that's where he's going to be. And if he needs to do a spot start, he can do it. Come in, not completely destroy your team. Josh Johnson does all those things for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think he'd preclude this team um, from adding a quarterback in the draft too. If one fell to them, they liked, uh, they brought back Brett Rippon, but if they draft a quarterback round five or four this year, you know, thanks Brett. Um, I look forward to watching your coaching career because uh, yeah. he's a smart mind. I mean, he's going to be, he's going to be a good coach if he wants to be also shout out to uh, speaking of Broncos um, who have gone on to new positions in football, uh, Virgil green. I don't, did you see this news today with Virgil green? Hmm. Uh, director of player personnel now at uh, Nevada University of Nevada. So uh, shout out to him at uh, going back to the Wolfpack and shout out to Virgil Green, man. He was a fun little tight end too for the Broncos there for a number of years with the Peyton year. Good blocker. We could use a Virgil Green like guy on this team. We'll see if a uh, Tomlinson can be that Andrew Baker coming in with the support. Thank you, Andrew, with the flex there as well. Uh, Sup, Nick, Carl and Scott. This defense was holding this team down the last years. So hopefully a high flying offense does our due produce more now. Interesting. I guess the question for me is what does producing more exactly ask? Um, because I could see this defense this year giving up more explosive plays, more points, uh, more yards than what we saw last year. But are they creating more turnovers? Are they creating more game-changing plays with sacks and whatnot? Because now you're what you need defensively changes with the type of offense you had. Last year, the Broncos were playing a type of offense where it was, as Scott likes to say, it makes me laugh because I – it hurts because I, this is Iowa Hawkeye football to a T. Suffer ball. Um, we're playing field position. We're going to grind the clock out. We're going to run it. And it's just going to be ugly the whole time. We're going to make it ugly as possible. And that led to the Broncos last year, I think, finishing third in defensive points per game. Uh, they were pretty good in that metric. A lot of their advanced metrics, not so good. But because of the complementary offense to the defense, uh, they looked okay. Maybe this year you see some of the EPA per play and whatnot look better, um, kind of like people were, if you recall, Carl, people were like, oh, this Bengals defense isn't very good. I'm like, the advanced metrics say they're actually pretty good. It's just the Bengals are turning the ball over a lot, and they run more plays than anybody per game in the NFL. So they're going to look worse when they have to be on the field more. Um, I think that's kind of what you could see the Broncos this year, where they could step back some, but if they can get more sacks, turnovers, getting off the field, closing games out, even if they're giving up more points, yards, et cetera, et cetera, they could be a better defense. Well, and I also wonder – how did teams play the Broncos different this year compared to years past? Because I think a lot of times teams came into the Broncos game knowing if we don't turn the ball over, we're probably going to win because their offense can't score enough points. We're going to score at least a few, mm-hmm. you know, their, their defense is good, but how much are they going to hold us down from at least scoring 20 points? We're, we're going to bank on their offense, not being able to score 20 points in this game. And more times than not, you're going to beat the Broncos with that formula. And so I wonder sometimes like with the chiefs, like the Broncos held them to some of their lowest scoring outputs of the last few years. But I wonder if they knew, Hey, we got to put up 27, 35 points to beat the Broncos. Does that change a little bit of how they go about that game? Now, maybe they, maybe that risk helps the Broncos where then, like you said, they get the turnovers, but if teams are actually looking for some of those bigger plays, instead of taking some of the safe stuff, it could add more points. And so I think it could be a little bit of hit or miss. I do like that. The Broncos have built a lot of the players that they brought in, uh, for the defense, especially Randy Gregory, like he is built to get after the quarterback. And so you're, you're trying to play with the lead so he can pin his ears back and go get the quarterback. You know, you're hoping for Draymond Jones that can really help take him to the yeah. next level, play to his strengths. And you're hoping Bradley Chubb can get back to what he looked like more like his rookie year with getting that 10 and a half sacks and getting after the quarterback. And so uh, it, it's why I'm hoping they still bring in more pass rushers because you're, you're hoping you can keep adding that Baron Browning, maybe moving, at least on sub packages, moving down into to the edge position or at least getting after the quarterback. You know, it's kind of that idea of you're hoping you could be playing with the lead so you can use those guys to their fullest advantage. Yeah, and the more I thought about the Baron Browning talk, made me think of uh, Anthony Barr coming out of UCLA. Is he off ball? Is he edge? They do a lot of simulated pressure um, with him. You know, he's lined up over the A gap or the B gap or the C gap. And is he coming? Is he going? Um, and the point of that is to, to create, while you only send four, 
to create a one-on-one matchup because the offensive line has to still account for all those guys on the line of scrimmage. So uh, Mike Zimmer, one of the better ones at uh, simulated pressures. We'll see if that becomes a a trend with the Broncos this year under Evero, which sounds like they want to be more of a pressure-based defense. We'll see if personnel uh, dictates that and how it all looks because, you know, everything is just words until it's on the field. We can actually analyze it. Uh, Jason Cardoza coming in with the 499 super. Good to see you, Jason. Hey, Nick and Carl, did you guys see Wilson's throwing session to the whiteouts he put on this socials? Gives me goosebumps just watching it. Yeah, it was great. I mean, there's that number three on the field. Man, he's got his own <laughs> football logo on the field. That is, you know, it's different when you got a dude like that coming in here. Oh, man, it's really good to have there is the logo too. Yep, boom. Uh, it's so awesome to have Russell Wilson here. I am really curious to see what his career going forward looks like. Um, You know me, Carl, always the... I'm, I'm guarded. I'm like, Oh, everybody's like, oh, we're in a super bowl now. Like, oh, let's just see if he'll play like a top 10 top eight quarterback first this year before we're playing in the parade. Um, but the Broncos now have a quarterback where they are in the conversation before it was, Oh man, if we have a top three defense and everything around the quarterback is perfect. And the quarterback takes steps that we haven't seen yet from them because the situation is so good. Then it all comes together. Now we're sitting here. The offensive line doesn't have to be perfect. Uh, the pass rush right now, the depth in the pass rush scares me a bit. Who knows about the defensive backs? It's a tough division. We got a chance. And I, I truly, I truly believe that. I'm not just yep. blowing smoke up anybody's rumps in here. Like we have a chance and that's all you can ask for. And usually when I see videos like that, I'm like, oh, great. They caught the one throw that was perfect kind of thing. But with Russell Wilson, knowing that's what he does. That's his favorite throw right there. And, and knowing for Cortland Sutton, I, I had somebody ask me earlier, uh, who's this better for, Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton to bring in Russell Wilson? I said Cortland Sutton yeah, because he loves great. that deep ball. That That's that year that he had over 1,000 yards. A lot of his big plays, him getting down the field, either making the 50-50 catch or just that perfect throw where he has great hands to go make the, the tough catch down the field. Uh, and so I, I really do. I think Sutton is the guy that benefits the most. K.J. Hamler is another that I think is going to benefit because they want to get down the field, push it. And, and Tim Patrick, even, I mean, he's got more wheels than people remember straight line speed, Tim Patrick, pretty darn good. Yeah. You ask him to turn, he's going to have some issues with that. He's not great at that, but he's better than what he was even when he came into the league. And and so you said it earlier, Jerry Judy might be the guy that actually struggles the most with this transition. I just need to see what it looks like. Um, When it was the, Hackett offense with Rodgers, they run the dagger route till the cows come home. I mean, it's dagger, dagger, dagger over and over again. That sounds dark. Um, the, the dagger route. <laughs> um, and Judy would uh, be great in that because a lot of the middle of the field stuff where he gets separation from the slot, you know, that makes sense. But historically speaking, uh, Russell Wilson, this might be to something about his height, uh, does not work the middle of the field very well. And in order to not work the middle of the field uh, as much as he avoids it, you have to be unbelievable. Uh, outside the hash marks. And there's a reason that every single year, not to be a advanced stat nerd, but like Russell Wilson has been the CPOE leader over the last five years, almost every single year, his completion percentage over expected. It's because those outside passes that he hits guys aren't hitting that at that rate. Right. And he's not getting the stats padded by the over the middle field passes as much. So it will be interesting to see what it looks like. I think there's going to be a lot of speed outs. I think there's going to be a lot of RPOs, but the middle of the field is where Judy, I see him winning a lot. And in the, more Shanahan-esque, McVay-esque uh, wide zone offense, uh, West Coast offense. There was a role there. But with Russell Wilson, I'm just, I'm not sure if it's an exact clean fit, right? So again, we'll see. Um, it's all theoretical until it's not. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still really high on Jerry Judy and what he can do. Uh, honestly, for me, for my biggest thing with Jerry Judy is, uh, buddy, in this offense, if you're running 11 personnel and teams are going to be living in dime against you or two high shells, we need you to be a dog as a blocker because the difference between you blocking a slot or close ceiling off a slot um, with Jamal Williams, there is the difference between, you know, a tackle at two yard gain versus 15 yards or 20 yards when he gets to that next level. So that's my challenge for Judy blocking, getting in there, staying healthy, but I want him to be in a butt kicker in the blocking Tim Patrick too. His blocking wasn't as good last year, but uh, it, it's been better historically. All right. We got Flazify coming in here with the four ninety nine super chat. Appreciate that. He says left, left tackle. Garrett Bowles, left guard, Moody. Ooh, there's a interesting one. Center, Glasgow, right guard, Miners, right tackle, Anderson. That would be the ideal starting offensive line, in my opinion. Yeah, I, that's... I, I would push back a little bit. Just 
because of the wide zone scheme. Moody is not a great mover. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's good at being the guy going straight forward and moving people. But when you're asking him to get lateral and, and move side to side, that was not always his strength. And so I just worry about his ability to, to get moving, get to the second level, those kind of things. Uh, Calvin Anderson, you know, here's what I would tell Cal- Calvin Anderson. This is the biggest year. This is the biggest offseason of your career. This is your chance to cement yourself for the right tackle moving forward. And just tell him, you got to get this right. You got to go put in all the work possible. We're going to give you a fair chance to go win this job. And, and if he does, that's great. If he can play like he did left tackle when he was doing some spot duty, play that over at the right tackle spot, he could become a pretty darn good right tackle for you. But he hasn't shown that so far. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Uh, one for me, Natain Moody. I think Natain Moody can be a fit in the outside zone scheme. And there's one player who comes to mind for me with this, and I've been went through the outside zone schemes. Okay, who's really excelled as a not great athlete, but a body mover at the guard position in an outside zone centric scheme? Brandon Brooks of Philadelphia Eagles comes to mind. The big caveat with Brandon Brooks excelling at right guard specifically for the Eagles in that outside zone uh, heavy scheme, he was playing next to, this is not hyperbole, this is just the reality, the best single athlete at the center position in all of football in Jason Kelsey and the best single athlete in all of football at the right tackle position in Lane Johnson. When you have two guys that are that good at athletes around you, maybe your athleticism doesn't matter as much. Maybe you can compensate with that with a little bit more earth moving there. So I don't know about Moody fitting here. That's there's one there. There's one example for me that sticks out where that makes sense. Um, Lakin Tomlinson, another one that's not the best athlete uh, that has done it as a body mover. So we'll see. I, I think I was too early to dismiss Natain Moody, um, but this is a big off season for him. I think, Unfortunately, with your starting list there, and it's just your opinion, the best five, you know, we'll see. I think he's closer to not making the team than he is starting, but I think I would definitely ruled him out too much too soon. Yeah. I mean, he, he has some highlight blocks last year when he got some opportunities. He he pancakes some guys. So you love to see that. You just got to see a, a more consistent player. And, and hopefully this is the year. I loved him coming out of the draft. If you remember right, I was a big Moody fan. I loved his ability to move people. Uh, I mean, his name is very fit, fitting Moody, the mover, you know, it, it, and so if he can work that way, if he can still move people, go for it and have that interior with miners and Moody being helped to move people. I love that, but uh, we'll, we'll just have to see how good of a fit he is. We got Phil McLaughlin coming in here with stars. Really appreciate that, Phil. And I appreciate everyone tuning in here to, to talk some Bronco football with us. We have Travis coming back saying, Good evening, Nick Carl and Broncos country with Peyton building the team this coming season through trade and free agency. Will he go for depth in the draft except for maybe finding a kick slash punt returner? I I mean, I think if there's a right tackle that they really like that falls in the draft there, they will go up and make a move to get him. But I think that's also true for edge. Um, The edge spot right now, you have Brandy Gregory and Bradley Chubb, who you have not seen play full seasons really in a long time. And historically they don't play full seasons. The other thing also that makes sense if an edge falls that they like, this is a good edge class. Um, if they go up and get one, that is kind of setting yourself up where you have a little bit of leverage when it comes to Bradley Chubb next off season. Let's say Bradley Chubb has a good off season. You're not going in there. I don't have a first and second round pick and I probably can't get an edge unless I pay for one, but I have to pay Russell Wilson. I guess we're just going to have to go with Jonathan Cooper or a veteran cast off type of guy, not an ideal situation. So I could see an edge falling as well, where they get up and move him. I also think the board of the Broncos have right now. I think they keep saying nine draft picks this year, but then I've seen eight. I'd whatever it is. Um, there's, we know one thing Peyton's going to move around. And I also think he's going to try to make some moves to accumulate 2023 capital. Cause right now you're dealing with a deficit in 2023. I think he's going to start to look to use what the capital he has now without having as many roster holes and get some depth. Uh, with his draft picks this year, but also start to add more bullets, even if they're late bullets, add more bullets for 2023. Right. And something to keep in mind with the the contracts, the Broncos have signed so far, all of them, other than the the main guys that they signed, like Gregory Jones and whenever they signed Wilson, the rest of them have been one to two year deals. And, and what they're trying to do is let's say the Broncos have a ton of success and those players have good seasons. Well, then you let them walk in free agency and you get comp picks for that. You know, you, you start building that up. I can see that Peyton is trying to build up better opportunities for comp picks moving forward, mm-hmm. especially for next year. 
if they can get some some extra guys coming in, that's going to be huge for them. Yeah, I mean that would change how their offseason looks next season. About bringing in free agents, you you thought people were a little bit uh, curmudgeony about the Broncos not bringing in free agents. They brought in a fair amount of free agents. You thought they were a little curmudgeony this year. It'd be probably even more so next year. But hopefully that's because the Broncos are resigning their own guys. Uh, Draymond Jones due for a contract. Uh, you got. Uh, who knows what happens with Ronald Darby's contract. You got Bradley Chubb's contract. Russell Wilson might get a contract as well. So uh, we'll be really interesting to see what happens there. Uh, no doubt about that. So another question here while Scott is perusing the chat, seeing if we got anything here, but so now the Broncos, I think we, we can all mostly agree maybe outside of right tackle that the starting 22 is pretty much set. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're talking depth and we got Gary Leeds Palmer talking about depth. Gary Leeds Palmer. Good to see you. Hey, Nick and Carl on Broncos country. Let's ride. You need to get some more. Let's ride. And you probably need to start ending the podcast with that too. <laughs> um, but uh, Denver Broncos for life. Absolutely. Gary, we appreciate you. Uh, what are the positions that you think while they're not the starting 22, what are the next areas of this roster that you think Broncos could use some depth here? Broncos could use some competition here to help round out the roster because you said it earlier. Uh, if you're looking at 22 starting the year, odds are, a third of those guys aren't going to make it through the year. So you're going to need some depth and quality depth at some positions. So linebacker safety are, are two big ones into your defensive line is another that there's not a whole lot of depth there. You know, they just signed Deshaun Williams, which I like Williams, but you still like to get better than that. If you can, and you like to build for the future. And a lot of times interior defensive line takes time. We don't know what Ajim's going to be this year for us. You hope he's taking that next step, but we don't know yet. And edge, obviously, you need more depth there. Really, the entire defense. Like the starting 11, I like. Everybody behind them, not so much. They're they're pretty darn weak. And so that's why, again, I, I could feel pretty darn good about most of the positions they would take at 64 if they're picking at 64. Because even on the offense, too, I, I feel pretty good about the offensive line, the interior offensive line. Even the tackles now, especially if you sign Shell, yeah. Like I, I want to add more to it, but if they don't right off the bat, I'm going to be okay with it. Yeah. And then tight end is another one. You got two guys right now that you feel okay with, but I wouldn't mind them adding somebody. But I, I don't really want to add them in the second or third round. This is a deep tight end draft. You can find guys that can be quality players later on. Yeah. And and then running back. <laughs> I, I really the entire team if you're looking at it i know you really uh, i know you i just listed up and i'm waiting I, no, I, i'm i'm gonna i'll say wide receivers good but uh but no even running back you got williams you got boone who I, I think he's a good backup but you don't have anything else you need more than that for running back yeah yeah no i don't disagree with you at all um gosh if the broncos took a Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker at 64. Everybody, oh, Nick, well, how could you do this? Those are good players. Uh, pick 64 is not the worst in the world. I probably, I would want to see what the rest of the board looks like. But, um, you know, I also think Russell Wilson wants to be this quarterback that is throwing the ball 50, 60 times a game. And I don't know if that is conducive to his play style. I do think it probably needs to be a little bit more of a 55, 45 type of offense where you're hunting the big plays and uh, making teams have to pack the box against the run and having two plus running backs actually can help that as much as, you know, I always say the running game doesn't matter. It matters to the extent of forcing the defense to think you're going to run the football. Um, Chad beach coming in here, uh, coming in. Thank you so much evening fellas. Thanks for all the Broncos info. Love this show. We love you, Chad. Thank you. That's so nice for you to say really, that that really means a lot. Cause there's a lot of good Broncos content producers and analysts out there. And uh, hearing that, you know, we, we are appreciated or thought highly of it all is uh, Really humbling. So thank you so much. Um, can't wait for the season to start now. Going to be fun to watch this team. Let's ride. Denver Broncos for life. MHH. Thank you so much, Chad. That's really nice. You Thanks for the support. Um, back to me. So the part of the depth positions for me that I think are much more pressing uh, for the Broncos. Um, right now, I would have to say edge is number one for me. And I do not know what that means for Baron Browning. I'm under the assumption right now that Baron Browning is going to cross train as an edge, but it's going to be very rare uh, situationally, you know, past situations where he is that edge. So I'm more comfortable at the off ball linebacker position than you are. Uh, if there's somebody in the draft, maybe you bring him in. And if that's the best player at 64, cool. I don't even care. Fine. Uh, but I don't think it's as pressing as the edge spot. That's my number one safety. Number three, I'm sorry. I need to see more from Jamar Johnson. I know he had the sick bug last year, but he doesn't play special team snaps. He has tackling issues. And he hasn't shown to be super versatile. 
all three things that if you're going to be my safety number three, you have to freaking do. Um, so safety number three from it. And the, the Rams last, the last two seasons combined, no team has played more dime defense in the NFL period. End of story. That's all she wrote. So you're going to, you should expect to see three safeties on the field pretty often. I just wish you had somebody there, maybe a little bit more physical or versatile uh, than what Jamar Johnson has shown to date. It's kind of like last year, Jamar Johnson, fifth round pick, hyping him up. We haven't seen it yet. This is rewind one year ago. This is the exact same conversation we were having with Justin Stranod. How did he look out there? So I think it's a position that you should be considering upgrading for sure. Speaking of the third safety CC coming in here, uh, maybe sign Jaquiski Tart, who has some safety corner versatility. That's my guy. I would love Jaquiski Tart. Just might as well bring all the uh, 49ers guys they can't keep uh, under contract. I think he's one of the best dimebackers in football. Still pretty young. I know he dropped that uh, for sure interception against Stafford in that game, but uh, he's made more good plays than bad. I would, I would love him uh, coming in here. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I think that would be a great signing. And uh, hey, that 49ers defense, they were good. So it's not just that you're bringing in guys that are, you know, they're comfortable with from seeing them, you know, either Rams defensive players or you got some 49er coaches as well that have come over. It's these are actually decent players mm -hmm. that made big impacts. So um, I, I'd be definitely good with that signing. We'll see what the Broncos continue to do. I, they're, they're not done. That's the nice thing is they still have room to make a few more plays here in free agency before the draft even. And I'm sure even after the draft, we saw last year, the Broncos made some moves. I think was Massey assigning after and Fleming and uh, uh, Fl Fleming Fleming. Yeah. Yeah. Both of them yeah. were after the draft. So he's not done. I mean, Peyton, if, if you want to say anything about him, the guy is always trying to make moves, whether they're good or bad, whether you should be doing them or not. We'll debate that as, as the season goes on. But but for the most part, he loves the wheel and deal. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't blame him. If I was a GM, I'd be like, dude, I got a, I got an itch to do something. I got to do something. Um, but uh, but yeah, you're right. I, I, I guess we should say when we're talking about needs, because every position could use depth. Yeah, that's the reality of the NFL. You're you're not going to have 53 guys that are starter starter quality. So we should probably just put them in tiers of okay, which one do we think has the highest need compared to some of these others? And and you're right, edge. It really depends where Baron Browning falls. If you view him more as an edge guy instead of an off ball, then off ball becomes a need more than, than it already is. If yeah. you view him more that he's going to play off ball and then he's going to come down and play a little bit of edge here and there in some sub package situations, then then you're right. Edge is absolute need. You do not want Malik Reed to, to be one snap away from being a starter. Yeah. No, 100%. That one scares me. But I really like Jonathan Cooper too, but I like him. He's fine as an edge three. He's great as an edge four. And in the AFC West, people are like, you got to have tackles. You got to have pass rushers too. Uh, so I'm in the same boat there. And I, honestly, you're more likely to need your depth at the edge rushing spot because those guys typically play rotate snaps. You're only seeing the backup offensive linemen, knock on wood, if there's injuries. So uh, that's, that's the big thing. You are going to see a bevy of cornerbacks, a bevy of pass rushers. So you need depth there at those positions. Uh, the last one here that I think is an interesting one Broncos could still pursue is the interior defensive line uh, right now. You mentioned it earlier. Uh, McTelvin Najim. I think he's fine and he's really good getting after the passer. But if the Broncos are going to play as much dime as they keep hinting at, or even the too high safety shells to uh, pre-snap, then likely that means that you need your interior defensive lineman to be pretty good against the run and to be able to hang against some double teams. And McTelvin Najim, when he gets one-on-ones, he's been a pretty good pass rusher, but he's not very good at anchoring. He's not very good against double teams or gap and a half, whatever you want to call it. So that's one where I could see them bringing in maybe a veteran interior defensive lineman that in base packages uh, plays that five technique spot uh, versus somebody like McTelvin Najim. Maybe somebody like Akeem Hicks. Maybe somebody like a Sheldon Richardson, maybe even somebody like a Calais Campbell, even though he's a little bit more of an inside outside kind of guy, but still I could see that being a position as well, where they look to attack uh, to bring in more veteran presence and to bring somebody who more proven than McTelvin regime. Cause right now I see McTelvin regime. People are talking about him. Why didn't he play last year? It's kind of the same reason you didn't see Mike Boone play. Mike Boone would have played and he probably would have been fine, but guess what? Thank your lucky stars. Uh, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams didn't get really injured. I think if Draymond Jones got injured, you would have seen McKelvin Ajim playing that more of the, the slender, more attacking style into your defensive lineman. But Draymond's a better pass rusher, and he's better against the run, so you're not taking Draymond off the field for McKelvin Ajim. So we didn't right. see him. Right, and, and you're right. He, he struggled to anchor. Mm -hmm. And so teams would attack him every chance they got. 
He, he made some great plays. I mean, he, he made the highlight plays, kind of like Moody did last year. He made the highlight plays. You need a guy, if he's going to be out there for even 50% of the snaps, to be able to show consistency. So teams aren't sitting there saying, oh, my gosh, Ajim's out here. What are we going to do to attack him? And so far, he hasn't proven that he can be that guy quite yet. I hope I hope he's working, and I, I loved him coming out of the draft. I, I mean, it was easy to see. He had a long ways to go. He was more raw talent than he was finished product, obviously. But I, I think there's there's still potential. I still would like to add to that group. All right, we got Chad coming back again saying, you think the players and this new coaching staff will work better than what we have seen the last few years? I can't wait to see them play and see how things play out. Here's what I'll say. Expect some growing pains with a new coaching staff. Like I, I'm excited about this staff, but they have made some changes and added some things that a lot of other NFL teams are not doing. They did not go the traditional route. Let's just say that. I mean, they do have head coach, offense coordinator, defense coordinator, that kind of thing. But they added a few extra other positions. Uh, it looks more like a college staff than it does an NFL staff, if I had to say. And and there's nothing wrong with that. I think there, there could be huge benefits for it. But also, again, in-game situations. A lot of these guys have never had to do a lot of the in-game situations. How are they going to handle that? They're going to mess up. Look at, at, at Staley for the Chargers last year. You could say in that game against the Raiders, he made about four or five huge mistakes that cost his team being able to go to the playoffs. Yeah. I still think he's a pretty good coach. Yeah, But there's just going to be some of those kind of moments. Thankfully, with Wilson, you can have some growing pains with your coaching staff and still win a lot of games. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you hope so. Uh, it's That's the thing about the Broncos right now. I think what you said, Vegas has the Broncos at better odds than the Chargers for winning the Super Bowl right now. Uh, I do think that some of that might be the, maybe they're tied, um, but I think I, some I think of that. They're really close, yeah. They're, they're close. I think some of that might be, uh, Vegas, knowing that Broncos uh, tend to get heavy betting um, from fans out there. So uh, shout out to the fans. You guys are great. But for me, I, again, this is just me being a scientist. Wait and see. There are so many new variables for the Broncos right now. New coaching staff, new scheme, uh, new quarterback. So much has changed that I just need to see what it looks like before I'm gung-ho about the Broncos being a Super Bowl contender this season. I think they have the talent to do it, but need to see how it all works together in motion uh, for multiple games before I see, it. but I, I'm liking what the roster is starting to look like coming together on paper. So excited about that. Excited for the draft too. I mean, pick 64, 75, 96, 115, 116. They won't keep all those picks. I can almost guarantee it. I don't speak in absolutes very often, but I can almost guarantee it. They won't stay at all those spots, uh, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Travis Weber coming in here saying was surprised hearing Wagner could still be a possibility. Thought he was Dallas bound. Yeah. I don't know if Dallas is going to bring him in or not. I know that Dan Quinn acts as his own agent and apparently he said recently that uh, Bobby Wagner coming to Dallas is not super likely. Uh, the longer that Wagner is on the market, the more interested I am. I'm not interested in paying him $10 million a year, but if he wants to come in for a short one- or two-year contract and uh, solidify the defense, I got no issue with it. I know I'm not big on paying uh, the linebacker position. Uh, the, you can go back and look at the investments over the last decade. Uh, most of them have been pretty bad for the open market free agent linebackers. So, uh We'll see, but um, the longer he's on the market, the more interested I am because I think the price is going down a little bit at a time. I'm with you there. I, I, Wagner's a talented player. There, there's no getting around that. He he would help this defense if he was here, but the price has to be right. Yeah. How much does he add? Say you pay him 15 million a year compared to Jewel at five million a year. I don't think he's that much better of 10 million difference. And uh, Michael saying, I'm sleeping on his resume. Um, he's really great. He's a Hall of Fame player. I'm not paying somebody for what they've done. I'm paying them for what they want to do. That kind of reminds me of Kobe Bryant at the end of his career. He's playing max contracts. Not a max contract player anymore. Uh, you know, like that kind of thing. It's like, it's I, you need to be smart with your investments. And I think that pain and Wagner's play stepped back. Uh, he started to step back a little bit last season. I think it was Nate Tyson, the athletic pod saying like, you're paying. It's like the difference between paying a Mac and a, uh, a PC, you know, they're functionally the same, but you're paying for the, the Apple on the front as much as you're paying for the product. So, um, that's a, I don't know if there's any making any Mac fans or PC fans happy or angry back there. I don't care uh, about any of that stuff and who, who cares, but, um, how dare you speak of Kobe Bryant that way? Yeah. Kobe's great. But yeah. the, the end, what he was getting paid was, uh, 
not great for the team, the way they could structure it. But that's my opinion on Bobby Wagner. He'd be fine, but I'm not looking to pay big money for a player who is regressing at the probably the least valuable position on the defensive side of the ball. That's why these young guys get these big contracts and Amari Cooper gets traded for like a six round pick, right? The older guys who are kind of uh, starting to fall back. Yeah. And that's always the problem is a lot of times guys are getting paid for what they've done compared to what they're going to do. You know, you have always talked about like with running backs, odds of them living up to that second contract, pretty slim. You love what Javante Williams can bring for the rookie contract. You love what he could maybe bring for another team on his second contract. And, you know, I I love Javante Williams. I love what he brought last year. I think he brings more than most running backs in the NFL. Like he, he's not as dependent on a great offensive line being in front of him to produce. He can make plays on his own, but at the same time, again, running backs wear down quickly. And, and also again, they are still dependent on some other things going right around them. And uh, so We'll see what he gets paid that second time around. Yeah, I, I just kind of hope it's not with the Broncos. Like I said, I, I kind of like adding to the that position through the draft. I'm not trying to slander Javante Williams. Please don't think I'm trying to say that. Yeah, absolutely. Amy, coming in here. Shout out to our Broncos Mile High Huddle ladies. Uh, let's ride Broncos. Thank you so much, Amy. Hey, we're going to have to ride out of here pretty soon, but just kind of wrapping it up again. Big news of the day. The Broncos fill out their last gaping hole on the defense signing Kawan Williams from the 49ers, 31 years old has almost exclusively played the slot in his career. Uh, Looking at the snaps for his career right now, 3,425 snap slots compared to 127 on the boundary and 294 in the box. Yep. This is your slot cornerback folks. Uh, So Broncos get that one. He's a great tackler. Um, He has had some injuries, but not to the extent of Chris Harris, Jr. Of late Tavon young, Bryce Callahan. So probably the healthiest of the remaining options, Good tackler, a lot of uh, ball production as well, which I really appreciate. You know, Broncos, this has been a good defense, but what separated them from being great was their ability to take away the football. They just haven't been able to do that in the Vic Fangio era. Some of that is because of the offensive ineptitude and teams saying, we're not going to play aggressive offense because your offense sucks. We only have to score 20 points and we'll win. Yep, good bet. Good job, guys. Uh, but that's not the case anymore. So hopefully somebody with a little bit more ball skills uh, like Kawan Williams and this defense can really start to take off but you still got to keep adding the pass rush and even more defensive backs as well, in my opinion. So really excited. Um, This is what we've been, I've been screaming about for a bit. Broncos lost two of their uh, top six, excuse me, three of their top six uh, defensive back earners. I also saw that Troy rank said the Broncos are in talks with Kareem Jackson. Doesn't mean anything will come. Maybe Kareem Jackson wants to wait a little bit closer to the start of the season. So he doesn't have to go through all the OTA stuff as well, which would be hat tip to the vet for uh, playing the game and knowing what you got to do. But, uh, yeah, Carl, any thoughts before we start to get on out of here? Any uh, comments or last thoughts? Well, I, it just it has been a crazy week for the AFC West of yeah. seeing the Raiders make their trade. And yeah, a couple weeks here. And uh, it, it is. It's going to be a fun season. I really do hope the NFL figures out maybe we should waive this cap on how many primetime games a team can have because all six AFC West games that all six or all four of the teams play should be primetime games. Just with the, these quarterbacks, the star power that's going to be in each of these games, and it just it, it makes it so much fun to to know that the Broncos are part of that. Yeah. To know that they're actually going to be a team everybody's talking about. I saw, I think, as Bart Scott put out his top five teams. He didn't have the Chiefs. Eight. Do what? I think he had like eight. I think he had the playoffs. I think it was eight teams. Did he? Okay. Like well, the, in the in the top five, he did not have the Chiefs. Yeah. And well, I, I would have the Chiefs in my top five. It's just that it's just that crazy when you're looking at all these teams and what they've done to, to improve. I don't think I've ever seen a time where the AFC was so much better than the NFC. Like, I mean, just either conference being this much better. Uh, I wasn't watching football much in the eighties back when, you know, the NFC was dominating. Um, there we go. Yeah. See Bart Scott's has the chiefs missing the playoffs. Oh man. Living in, in chiefs territory. Do you know how fun that would be to to walk around this town talking how the Chiefs missed the playoffs? It would be uh, it would be such a glorious day. I'd be the guy skipping through town when everybody else's heads are hanging low. Yeah, and uh, Scott, can you pull that up one more time? If it's already gone, that's okay. There's just another team there that I think was interesting uh, that they were missing as well. Uh, maybe maybe Scott's not going to pull it up. Nope, it's yeah. all good. Um, number one seed and overall last year, uh, Tennessee Titans also missing the playoffs there. So man, this is a 
absolutely insane uh, time in the AFC, the AFC West. It's possible that only two teams make it. I mean, heck, who knows what's going to happen with uh, Cleveland, with Deshaun Watson. Is he going to be suspended for the year? Is he going to not be? I mean, who knows? Um, but uh, yeah, here we go. Thank you so much, Scott, the producer. God bless you. It's always good to have Scott here. It makes the chat and everything works so much better. But yeah, <laughs> Bengals, Broncos, Bills, Colts, Browns, Chargers, Ravens, Chiefs missing, Titans missing, Steelers missing, Patriots missing. Uh, this is this is the an insane time. I mean, it would have to it would have to really suck to be one of the teams that is uh, no chance. Right. Like the, the Miami Dolphins made a massive move today and they're hope. I mean, hoping Mike McDaniel's a guy and Tua Tagabola. Nobody gives a hoot about the Miami Dolphins. Like, okay, good luck fighting for a seven seed, maybe. Uh, and then you have the Jets, ugh, the 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 Jags, ugh, the Texans. Ugh. Uh, it's a uh, it's probably a rough time to be one of those bad teams in the AFC right now because it doesn't seem to be much much end in sight unless you can find that quarterback. Oh man, and just think the couple of those teams used high draft picks on quarterbacks, thinking they maybe found their guy that could really get them at least to that average play. They could surround them with a great team. Yeah. You cannot have average quarterback play, even on a rookie contract and expect to make the playoffs. So mostly all the animal teams. Yeah, there you go. You got to be an animal. Yeah. And to your point on drafting the quarterback, those teams and missing some of them, the ones that I mentioned, you do have that chance always, but then you also have Joe Burrow and the Bengals and Justin Herbert and the chargers where they're essentially a cheat code right now because they're paying their quarterback 7 million against the cap where everybody else is paying them 25 to 50 million. So uh, there's always, there's the risk of the rookie quarterback. But if you hit on that rookie quarterback, you got a three year window, two to three year window where let's go. So uh, it'll Mm -hmm. be really interesting to see. I'm, I think the chiefs and chargers this year are dangerous. Uh, So we'll see. We're over an hour guys. We love you. Kawan Williams is here. Offseason still got a lot to go. I think that was probably the last big move from the Broncos this offseason, but uh, you never know. Um, maybe George Payton has something still in his pocket. So uh, Jeremy coming in late to the party as we're saying goodbye. Uh, appreciate you, Jeremy. Um, goodbye. Uh, make sure you guys are following Carl and I on Twitter. Carl is at Carl Dumbler, and I'm Carl Dumbler, MHH, and I'm at Nick Kendall, MHH. Also, make sure you're following Scott, producer and co-host for the morning shows at Scout Kennedy. Uh, if you guys like the show, make sure you're following us also at Huddle Up Pod and at Mile High Huddle. If you're joining us on Facebook today, or if you're not joining us on Facebook, but listening after the fact coming across this, make sure that you're joining our communities on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle, as well as facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle Pod. YouTube folks, please subscribe to the channel at Mile High Huddle. Like the show, like this show today, like the channel in general, and also share it to your social medias, Twitter, Instagram. Twitch, uh, TikTok, make a TikTok of us saying stupid things. I don't know. Like I probably, I say plenty. Of, I, there's enough shows out there that I there's there's no doubt in my mind. I have hours of stupid content from yours truly. So do that. I don't know. Have fun. Um, but make sure you guys are subscribing, like and sharing on YouTube. If you're listening after the fact, you have iTunes in general. Head to Apple iTunes and podcast. Find a huddle up show. Leave your five star rating and review. And uh, we appreciate you guys. We're gonna get on out of here. Yeah, Jay. Jay's really gonna hold you to that. Maybe uh, maybe a week one monkey oh, tail. Yeah. It's coming. What do you think your kids would say about the uh, the monkey tail? Oh, they'd love it. Okay, it's it's the wife that I'd worry about, or yeah. really no, my mom. That would be the one if she knew that I was on a show with a monkey tail beard. Oh my gosh. Uh, she might come shave me in my sleep. <laughs> now it, now I, now we want it even more, Carl. You shouldn't have told us that. Well, guys, we appreciate you. We'll see you on Scott's channel tomorrow uh, to talk some Falcons and NFL draft in general uh, tomorrow morning. So make sure you're tuning in there uh, on Scott's YouTube channel if he wants to put it there in the chat. It's always a lot of fun to hang out with uh, hang out with Scott, talk some ball. We're gonna get going. Make sure you guys guys choose kindness, choose compassion. Go Broncos. Let's ride. I like it. You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.